0: Welcome back to the Yankee Air Pirate Podcast. I'm Pat Stratton, and I'm your host. We've got another special edition of the podcast today. Anyone that's ever been part of the Armed Forces knows the positive, long-lasting impact a good drill instructor can have on your military career and life afterward. For those that have never served in the military, this special relationship may be difficult to understand. But for those members of the great Knapps class of 1983, you all know that drill instructor and important figure was the legendary and iconic Gunnery Sergeant Alex Novgloski, United States Marine Corps. I'm honored to have Alex with me here today, and I'm grateful for all he did for me, and I'm honored to call him my friend today. I hope you all enjoy this great conversation with this incredible man. So let's get right to it. We hope you enjoy this episode of the Yankee Air Pirate Podcast. NAPS 83. Shout out, Alex Nabloski. Alex, it's awesome uh, to see you today, and and I'm really glad you agreed to do the podcast with me. You're somebody that means so much to me. You've been so important in my life, and you've been so important in so many people's lives. I I think people will really treasure the opportunity to to, uh, hear from you. Uh, You know, a lot of people don't know uh, a lot about your background and where you grew up, where you went to school. And I really think they'd uh, appreciate knowing a little bit about you. So before you joined the Marine Corps, uh, where did you grow up? where did you go to high school?
1: I was born and raised in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And every time you see Philadelphia, you see a bridge. That's uh second in race. That's uh, also uh, right around the corner from Ton Tavern. So uh, that's about where I grew up. Uh, I also went to Ben Franklin High School, and I, uh it was a great school. Uh, majority of it, the uh, inner city kids went there. So it was a big joke because I uh, talked about it several times. Uh, when they asked me about the uh, – uh, at that time, in them days, they said colored people. So back in them days, I was the only colored boy in that school. I was a different color than everybody else. So uh, it was it was pretty unique to say the most – we also had a – Chinatown was right around the corner, so we had a Chinese kid in there, so that threw everything off. And, uh, and But that, that was about where I grew up and went to school. So you, school. you were the
0: diversity back in I those days. I was the diversity,
1: yes. Polish yeah. and Irish, the only ones in the school. All the rest were Mongolians. Uh, well, there was one or two uh, Hispanic kids, and the, the rest were uh, black Americans. But anyway, that, there was a great school. I went to grade school, I went to a Catholic school, and I got to eighth grade, and uh, I got the thumb because I was uh, a bad boy, so they uh, <laughs> kicked me out of school. So uh, uh, The nuns were wonderful, though, uh, You know, so I got my ruler beaten, and I wrote, I must not speak in class 1,000 times on a board. If I spelled a word wrong, I had to start over again, so that was the fun part. Uh, that's awesome. It was great. I loved it.
0: So growing up there in Philadelphia, what got you interested in joining the Marine Corps?
1: No interest at all. I had no interest in the Marine Corps. I knew a little bit about it because of my uncle, but it was all for going into Coast Guard. Uh, Coast Guard, to me, it, it just seemed, uh, I knew a little bit about the Coast Guard as being Coast Guard in 1774, 75 timeframe. Uh I also knew about uh, an individual that won that was received a medal of honor for saving Marines. And, 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 one of the things that, that, uh, first, I think it was first class or petty officer anyway, uh, Monroe was that Yeah. Uh, as he was dying, he said, I got one more boatload and he, and he died right on a, on the, uh, on a, on a ship itself. And he died with a smile on his face because he was saving Marines. Uh, Got in trouble in school, got out of school, and my father said to me, You need discipline, son. And he said, Uh, you're not going to the Coast Guard, wouldn't sign me up. Uh he said, You're not gonna screw my army up. You're going in the Marine Corps and you're gonna get some discipline. And so <laughs> started my career in the Marine Corps. I uh sort of uh said, Okay, I went in the Marine Corps and uh First thing after about a week, I said, oh, my God, what in the hell did I get myself into the now? I was always in trouble, and that was, that was the most trouble I've ever been in. But I spent 13 weeks there, and uh, I made it through. I survived. That's uh, Paris Island. And, and, and what uh,
0: year? What year was that? From that
1: 64, six, January 64 is, is when I went into the Marine Corps. January 31st, 1964.
0: Okay, so that's that's when you're starting your Marine Corps career, 1964, and um, did you know your wife, uh, Dorothy, uh, and did you date her before the Marine Corps, or did you meet her during your time in the Corps somewhere?
1: I did not know her before I went in the Marine Corps. I met her on a blind date, uh, uh, New Year's Eve, 1966. We uh, uh, we went out on a first date. We didn't go anywhere. Actually, we was at her sister's house, and that's where we celebrate New Year's. And I was just amazed that I can get such a beautiful young lady <clears throat> on a date, and, and you know, just just to meet her on a blind date. Anyway, we went out the next day and everything else New Year's. But anyway, uh, that was it. Uh, December sixty six, January sixth, nineteen sixty seven. I stopped her right in the middle of the street and I said, would you marry me? And she said, yeah. And I almost hit the ground. I mean, I felt my legs were so damn weak that, uh, you know, I thought I was going to pass out. And when she said yes, and I just looked at her and gave her a big kiss. And that was the start of uh, uh, a 53-year, 4 months, uh 17-days love affair until she passed away here uh, uh, on the 14th of March. One of the saddest days of my life, but happiest days of my life because I spent 53 years with her. And it was it was adorable to say the least. We met. we, We got engaged on it, like I said, on the 6th of January and the 6th of January 2020. Our doctors told me that she didn't have too long to live. Ironic because it was 53 years and a couple months. On, on the 6th uh, from 6th of january to 6th of march that i was told that uh she's not going to survive and that was uh that was horrible to say yeah. the least
0: and that didn't happen too long ago so I, i'm really sorry for your loss alex
1: I, I i appreciate that she's happy in heaven now she's looking down at me so i got a fast easy card to get in heaven so i'm not worried about it
0: that's awesome
1: she can talk
0: Hey, so I never asked you this before. So you you didn't know your wife before the Marine Corps. If you had known her before the Marine Corps, before the Marine Corps squared you away, do you think she would have said yes if you asked her to marry her before the Corps squared you away?
1: Yeah, I think so. I, I think so. The, the, the dynamics when everything was there. Everything was perfect. Uh, and when I say everything, I mean everything was perfect uh, uh, when I... You know, when I asked her and and I could see us. I probably would never went to Marine Corps, but she would have probably said, you need to be a Marine so you can get disciplined, just like my father. But uh, yeah, I, I, I think we still got married.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Did you um, so you joined the Corps in 64? What what was your MOS originally? I know you did a lot of different things through your whole career, but what did you start out doing?
1: I started out as a truck driver. Uh, I went, went to uh, fix the trucks that I broke up, so I asked to go to school for, uh, for the uh, uh, mechanics, and I went to school for the mechanics mechanics, uh, so I got the secondary MOSs, the uh, 3521, and uh, also I was a dispatcher. Uh, they, uh, they would take the 3531s 30 and 21s and make them dispatchers and uh, give them the MOS, but you can only carry two MOSs, so that was my first four years as a motor transport person.
0: And where were you stationed during that first assignment?
1: During that time, we're 20 on Ponson, my first duty station. Uh, we mounted out there in, in 1965. Uh, actually, it was uh, January 65, February 65. Got aboard ships at Port Orinimi, California. And uh, we went to Okinawa. We had missiles. So we went to Okinawa. We was offloaded there. The other Marines... Uh, that uh, stayed here on ship. Some of us went for. Uh, I had surgery, so I didn't continue on with the battalion. Uh, I was left there, and six months later, they sent me to Hawaii. So I spent the two years in Hawaii. Then I come back to the uh, states, and I was with the uh, Second Motor Transport Battalion at Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. And uh, I got out. That's where I I got out. We got married, and I got out at that time. You know military life force was, was kind of rough, and uh you know as as you know a young couple getting married wasn't a really good future uh, so i I look for some different to uh, uh support my lovely wife, who now was pregnant with our first child
0: yeah, you didn't you were telling me before uh back in nineteen sixty eight when you got out of the corps um we're, you're a sergeant by that point, right? No, no, I was corporal. corporal. Corporal, and how much money were you making a month back then? Uh,
1: gee. corporals were making like I think 140 dollars, maybe 150 dollars a month. Wow, and uh, that that's a month. And I I uh, I got a job in the city of Philadelphia driving for the transportation. I was making 125 a week, so you can see a big difference there.
0: Okay. But so you got out of the Marine Corps in sixty eight, but you didn't leave altogether. You didn't you no. stay in no, the I, reserves?
1: Yes, I did. I went right to the reserves down in Philadelphia Navy Yard. I was down there for about uh, I guess about maybe eight months. And I wanted I wanted something different. I wanted a different MOS. And I went up to the uh, uh found out that I can get I can switch over to the artillery unit in the, uh in the up in northeast Philadelphia. So I went to the artillery unit. And, uh, is an 0811 and, uh, very good, 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 uh, uh good job. I love being archo. It was a lot of fun.
0: And, and uh, what were you doing as a civilian? What, when you weren't doing your, your Marine Corps thing on the weekend, what, what were you doing for a living full time?
1: I, w- I was driving a bus. I drove a bus, a, uh, another one called a trackless trolley. Uh, I had, I had one week of breaking in on a, Subways the elevated trains and uh to ride around in Philadelphia, I was trying to get up there and transfer up there uh something happened and i uh, uh you know was relieved from my duties and my job and I went into trucking and i was uh driving uh trucking for the uh, for a local uh distributor in Philadelphia. I increased my pay from uh three thirty five an hour to three fifty five an hour so i it wasn't a loss of any kind of money or anything. Uh, and then uh, that was it. I drove trucks and worked on the, uh, uh, what we call the platform to load the trucks and, and get them out uh, into the, uh, into the city, you know, for distributing in the city of Philadelphia. Stayed with them for about, I guess, about five years and made the rank of a sergeant in the reserves. And uh, at that time I uh, asked to come back on after duty. Uh, I, I, was given a chance and I didn't. I, I didn't want the MOS's, I just kept putting MOS's in until I got what I want. Uh, what I wanted to be is I wanted to be a grunt, I wanted to be an 03, 0311, 03, machine gunner, mortarman, infantryman, anything in the infantry I wanted. And I got my job of choice, which was 0331, machine gunner. And uh, that's uh, when I come back in. I went right back down to Camp Lejeune, North Carolina, and I wound up in the same unit that I got discharged from six years earlier, right back to Motor T.
0: Oh, that's excellent.
1: The, uh, yeah. I went and I talked. Uh, one one day I talked to my company commander, uh, Captain Conway. Never forget the guy who was great. Uh, told him that what I wanted, and he said, well, yeah, okay, Sergeant, you're kind of crazy, but we'll, we'll see what we can do. We were doing inspection before we went on our deployment and the colonel come down there. And the colonel said to me, he says, I, I asked the colonel about it. He said, well, yeah, we can fix that up. He took my name and it come down that I was to be transferred from uh second battalion motor transport battalion to first battalion, six Marines. I went in first battalion, six Marines as a machine gunner. And uh, that's where I learned my trade, uh, in first in battalion, six Marines.
0: And what year did all this happen? What year now did you decide to go back in the Marine Corps? That was 1974. 74, okay. Oh. And what were the what were the big uh things pushing you to make that decision? Why uh, cuz they still weren't making a lot of money back in those days.
1: Yeah. Ex- exactly. Uh, you know, I can give you some good stories on that because 1974, I think uh uh the biggest the wage was like twelve thousand dollars, and I made eleven thousand five hundred dollars that year. I went back in the Marine Corps, and that that next year, the next year, all I made was five thousand dollars. So I took a seven, six, seven thousand dollar loss. The uh, the the money wasn't an issue. The uh, what really was, I I missed a camaraderie ship with your your fellow Marines. Um, uh, had had a great bunch of Marines that I I served with over the years. Uh, over them, them four years, and also in the reserves. But you know, longevity. You have uh, uh, good health care. Um, you have good schools. Uh, and, you know, education for your kids. And uh, you know, uh, it was a better retirement, frankly speaking. And, and I see it today when I when I, I think about it, what I did, and and I made out pretty good. You know, you in in the Marine Corps is very forgiving. You work and you're good at your mission and your job and you can complete that mission, you'll get promoted and you go up in the ranks pretty fast. And I was fortunate.
0: Yeah. Okay. So you, you got back in, you went to Lejeune and you ended up in one six. Um, and did that unit deploy soon after you getting into one six?
1: Yes, sir. We, we deployed, uh, I deployed one of them once before I was transferred to, uh, at that time it was called, uh, um, FTS, uh, field skill training units. So I went into training, but I deployed to, uh, uh, it was called the Mediterranean or I'm sorry, not the med float, the, uh, Caribbean float. So you went down all over in the Caribbean, three months, you come back and you went back down. Uh, most units would send, uh, uh, you know, do the Mediterranean float was, uh, six or seven months at that time. And the uh, Caribbean float was uh three or four months at that particular time. That's where I went with 1st Battalion, six Marines. Once I come back, I went into training mode, and I got a job in uh, headquarters battalion training, field skill training. And my job was to teach machine gunnery. Back at Lejeune? Was, back, yeah, at Lejeune
0: back at Lejeune again? Back yeah, at Okay. Back at Lejeune. And, and did you, you know, so I and, and all my classmates from the great NAPS class in 1983 will never forget the summer we met you and the summer of 82. Um, before uh, we met you, Did you stay at Lejeune your entire career uh, before or or did you move around quite a bit?
1: Yeah, I moved around uh, a little bit, not quite a bit. I went from, I went from Campbell June down to uh, Okinawa, Japan in second battalion, fourth Marines in Okinawa, Japan. And then from, uh, after a year there, uh, I came over to, uh, Parasana. In between time, I come home, on leave and I went to headquarters Marine Corps and, uh, the guy, the monitor headquarters, Marine Corps, asked me what I was doing there. I said, I'm looking for a set of orders for, uh, you know, the drone instructor of Paris Island. And he said, well, who are you? And I told him who I was. And he says, wait a minute, you're supposed to be in Okinawa. What are you doing here? I said, I took leave. He said, you got to be crazy. I'm going to give you a set of orders for Paris Island just for being the way you are, you know. <laughs> and, you know, that's initiative. You know, I come home to see my family six months. You can do that then. So I came home, to see my family, threw everybody in the back of the station wagon, threw a dozen pillows back there in blankets. Up 95, we went. I get up to uh, next morning. I get into, uh, headquarters, course, Marine Corps. I parked uh, and uh, went in and see the monitor and told them what I wanted. And I had a set of orders before I left the doggone building. And uh, everybody was looking at me like, oh, that guy's crazy. But, hey, you you uh, you know, initiative is great in the Marine Corps. You show initiative, Marine Corps will show you, uh, you know, good, uh, you know, jobs and so on and so forth. I went to Paris Island, spent three years down there, worked as a, you know, I was a drill instructor for uh, uh, three platoons. I was a senior drill instructor for six platoons and I was a series gunnery sergeant. So and at the series gunnery sergeant so level or senior drill instructor level, I was put up for a uh, uh, promotion and I got meritorious to promote the gunnery sergeant and uh, become the ops chief. And then I went up to... uh, I was going to uh, 8th Marine Regiment. Of course, everybody knows what happened to 8th Marines. I would have been there at that time. Uh, But I was fortunate that that they didn't need gunnery sergeants. They needed staff sergeants. And the the other thing was I was trying to get into uh, the intel field so, I wanted to be analyst. So, uh, I applied for that and had set of orders for Fort Orchuga, uh, Arizona. And all that was canceled. And uh, hot, you know, the Marine Corner is wisdom's, you know, wisdom. Here's what we got we got a hot fill. I mean, how many times have you heard a hot fill? <laughs> Every time they want somebody, you know, that they can't get somebody to go somewhere, that's a hot fill. So I got the hot feeling. It was good because I had surgery on my back. And I wasn't, you know, I, I, I don't think I could handle the rigorous of infantry running around as a gunny uh, with, a, a, you know, a bad back. So I got the surgery and I went up to Naval Academy Prep School, uh, Newport, Rhode Island. Probably the best move I made was it was the second best job I had in the Marine Corps outside of just being a Marine yeah, speaking. so
0: so I was going to ask you a couple of things related to that. So first of all, so when you got those orders to Naps, that was toward the end of night. Was it eight nineteen eighty one somewhere in there? We all uh, met you in nineteen eighty two, but we were actually yeah. your second class, correct? Yeah,
1: no, November nineteen eighty one. Okay, when I got the Naps, yeah.
0: I got you. That, yeah. and and you said Naps was one of your favorite jobs. What? It over your entire span, your entire career in the Marine Corps, if you had to choose
1: one favorite job, what what would that one be? It would be naps. They were kind of prep school. There was there was <clears throat> probably several good reasons. You know, at, at Paris Island, I'm training recruits, enlisted recruits, and the Marine Corps turns over about 75% every four years. So, with Paris Island, every year there's 75% or 43,000 that come into the fleet and 43,000 get out or 40,000 get out. So, it's a turnover, uh, a 75% turnover. With the NATO Prep Pred School, you're going to be around five, six years. At the most, you might do eight years. And, you know, the difference is, on the enlisted side of the house, they're going to spend twenty, twenty-five, thirty years, and the the officer side of the house you can spend up until you're fifty-five years old, so it could be forty, forty-five years, uh, or forty years. You know, look at the generals. You know, some of them are fifty-five, sixty years old, somewhere in between. Well, you know, it's it it, it was just as gratifying at Naps it was as as Paris Island to make Marines and make Sailors, and what I enjoyed was the the uh, the ability to get out there and mold a diamond in the rough. And that's what I said. All of the recruits and all of the napsers were you know a diamond in the rough. So that made for me, that made Naps to be the, the perfect job, number one, number two, the best job you can have because you're molding not only the Marine Corps and the Navy, but a lot of these that get out and you have Want to go into politics or anything like that? It's amazing that you know that I had the chance to to do something like that. So yeah, it was gratifying to me that I would see a senator or congressman walking around, and I can say I was the one to help him get him in that or her in that place. I'm just that little spoke in that big wheel of your life, and you know whatever impact I can make. And, and that would be, Never Count Preps School would be the best. Yeah. So that's why I say it was the best.
0: And, and we were so lucky to get you. And, and what I think I just heard you say, so we, we basically got you by accident. You had orders to go somewhere else, but because of the surgery on your back, they reassigned you and they put you up to naps, uh, which was sure a lucky break for us um, because you were a big part of our success, everybody there. Uh, at Naps, what what do you think um, made you so uniquely qualified and uniquely suited for that role there at Naps?
1: Outside being the drill instructor, be it, you know I won't you know uh, I would say you, you know just speaking to all all the Napsers over the four years, you know my honesty my my ability to uh, uh, to garnish the best out of this uh, that that I can get, uh, communicate. And, and, you know, there's a lot of communication. I got a good sense of humor. When when I give you the 30 days and I'm whipping you in shape in 30 days, you're going to need somebody to talk to. You're going to need somebody to depend on. You're going to need somebody, you know, that has a lot of confidence and knows what they're talking about and knows what they're doing. And, you know, a lot of the Napsters, just like a recruit, is away from family the first time. So you have to mentor them. You have to father them. uh, You have to, when you need to, put a foot in the ass to get them moving from point A to point B. You did a little bit of that, didn't you? Yes. (laughs) It it comes with the territory. So, you know, uh, I'm committed. I have a positive attitude. And I'm very creative. So, you know. There's some of the uh, ethos I carried with me, and uh, I have a great ability to uh, inspire people, uh, and, and like I always say, to get them moving from point A to point uh, point B, and, and that's about that's about it. What I feel.
0: Yeah, and I agree with you on that. And it's it's really interesting to look at this that. All these years later, uh, 35, 30, I I guess coming up on 37 years ago, uh, we were at NAPS. And back in the day, we had a lot of really iconic figures there at the Naval Academy Prep School, including then Major Mattis, then uh, later General Mattis and Secretary uh, Mattis, Secretary of Defense. Um, But still, even with all those kind of people there, uh, you, when I talk to my classmates, uh, you are one of the most memorable uh, people from our time there. Why, why do you think that is? Why do you think so many people still feel that connection with you and have that desire to stay in touch with you?
1: I like to think a lot about honesty. I was complete honest with everybody. So, you know, you can go with honesty. I can also go with honesty. Uh, um, uh, just being a, you know, being there for everybody, talking to everybody, giving them, uh, you know, like I said, that short little kick in the butt that, that, you know, get them moving from point A you know, point A to point B. The respect that you had for me and the respect is earned. It's not given, you know, so a lot of, you know, not a lot of these, all of these respected me and respected what I did, which respected what I was doing in my career. And and how I was trying to help you in, into your, your career, trying to make big difference for you, you know you're you're learning, you know if 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 you can see yourself now. And the way you was and and what you wanted to do in the world, then you needed somebody to help you out and get you from point A to point B. I keep saying it because everybody needs that somebody to push them and, and get them from. Uh, from one place to the next Uh, not saying that you didn't have any kind of leadership because you all did. It's just, you need to be refined. And if you have somebody up there that is, is, is authentic then, and he can help you out and he can teach you, he can be that, or she can be that member, that uh, mentor that that would get you uh, uh, on the right road. Yeah. And believe me, some of you just needed leadership. You know, it was a leadership challenge for you. (laughs) That's for sure. You know.
0: Yeah, you know, it's kind of funny how things come full circle, because now you are are one of the most beloved people from that era, uh, from our lives, from back in 1982 and 83, but I'll tell you, back in the summer of 82, when I first met you and my classmates first met you, you scared the hell out of us, man, and I I remember... The exact time I met you, the very first time, and uh, I, I won't repeat exactly the things you said to me because we'll keep this a PG-13 uh, show today, <laughs> but you scared the crap out of me. And, and and I didn't think we'd be sitting here 37 years later talking. I really didn't. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you were really hard on us. You were really hard on us. Um, so what were you trying to teach us with all that?
1: But all of you is you're going to you're going to lead me in combat. You're going to lead marines and sailors in combat. They need somebody that that can make a big difference uh in in, in that that uh, situation you may get into when you're on the ground and you're attacking something. You need somebody up front that's going to tell you what to do, how to do, when to do it and get you moving from point A to point B. Uh I I uh I wanted to make sure that you would understand that you're going to lead Marines. And, you know, there is some, something about a Marine and his leadership up front, especially a Marine Lieutenant that is leading that combat mission with a bunch of Marines. They have to have the utmost respect for him. And that's the key word respect, you know, and uh, once they, once they gain that respect from you, which, you have to gain the same respect from them. Uh, You're just not going to walk in there and say, you know, this is what it is. And that's it. It doesn't work that way. So I was trying to put into most of you, you got good leadership abilities. You're learning, but you need to, uh, you need to have somebody kick you in the ass and really get you moving. And I'm the guy for that because I'm going to meet you out in the fleet. And while I'm out in the fleet, you're going to be my CO. So you I have to have the utmost respect for you. Then when we get out there, which incidentally not once but twice that I ran across some of my napsters who were in the same units that I was. I was in. Uh and and they were good. And I don't I don't claim that victory. I I claimed the Naval Academy after giving four years of uh leadership to leadership really. But it's the uh um uh, it's the wisdom that I possess that I also contribute or tried to pass on to the uh, young lieutenant's long, young ensigns. Yeah.
0: And, and you know, Alex, I'm still finding out more about you every day as, as we continue our relationship and talk about things, talk about life in general. And so just recently I found out uh, we were talking and you told me you have a memorial wall in your house for all the Napsters that you've lost. So tell me a little bit about that. When, when did you start it and, and what, what made you, what gave you the idea to
1: start that? We, uh, we're getting ready to do the, uh, uh, I think 30 year, 25 year reunion, 30 year reunion. And I've, I've already heard about, you know, a couple being, uh, I, I, don't know if the one or two more killed in combat in 1991, but I think they were killed around that time. And, uh, you know, I wanted to know about who, what, where, and when, and I did find out, uh, Mr. Martin Brandle, who happened to be a fleet sailor. And, uh, he dropped out, I believe. And then he went, uh, you know, other places, Captain Duke, uh, Marine and Captain, uh, or Lieutenant, uh, Fay, uh, Mr. Long, I don't know how he got out or what happened to him, where he dropped out and, uh, Metcalf, uh, Lieutenant Metcalf and, uh, and St. Ogden. I carry with me right now. I don't know if you can see it. I see that it is that is part of the Memorial. Yeah. And I got it on my wall. I set it up there with their picture. I got up there memories. Uh, they are my sons. They are my brother. Uh, and, and everything else, I I thought about it, and I heard about it from a couple of Napsters, and I I decided that's what I was going to do. And for the twenty fifth union, twenty uh, fifth reunion, I wanted to dedicate part, if not all, that to them, because uh, you know they're from the best class that that I worked at at Naval Kind of Prep School. Uh, I have them in my heart, and uh, every time a Marine. Where sailors killed in combat, a little piece of my heart goes away. They just take it with them, and uh, and so you know that was that was it. It's got a saying up there. I'm not too good at reading, so I'm not going to read it. You no, know, but it, 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 what it says is you know, we don't forget them. We won't forget them. We won't forget our brothers, and that's it.
0: Yeah, you know that that's something that's just so apparent to me, and I think to so many others is that. You care for the people that you work with so much and and it really shows it it really shows through and yeah. and I think that's been a big part of your success um o- over the years and you know back when when I attended naps with a lot of my classmates, we all went on our way, we went to the naval academy and back- we were talking about this the other day uh back in those days. It wasn't so easy to keep in touch. We all went to the Naval Academy. You went on to your next assignments. We didn't have cell phones. I don't even I don't even think we had emails where we could really correspond with each other. So most of us were out of touch with you until we graduated from the Naval Academy in the, the spring of 87. And I remember it well. It was a nasty, rainy day. We were supposed to be graduating outside in the stadium where basically anybody could come. But there was so much rain, we had to graduate inside in the field house. And I was getting ready to walk in the field house, and you were one of the first pe- uh, people I ran into there uh, showing up for our graduation. And that's the first time I really began to think about it, about how much you did care for us, because yeah. um, I think you were the only one that came uh, from our NAPS class, from our, yeah. from our leadership Uh, other than my father. um, Of course, he had to come to be there for me. But other, other than that, you were the only one that came for the graduation. And I thought that was really neat. And I don't know if you remember this, but they had a strict limit that only two guests could come in to the field house for each midshipman that was graduating. And so those two spots per person were really at a premium. And I think there was a Marine Corps corporal they're standing guard at, at the entrance and he didn't want to let you in. Fortunately, we're able to convince him to let you in mm-hmm. the easy way instead of making you go through and do it the hard way. You remember that? Yeah. Yeah, I do. He have <laughs>
1: done a lot of push-ups. He loved it. <laughs> that,
0: that, that was really neat. And, and I really appreciate you being there at our graduation. I know all the, all the NAPS classmates do as well. Um, you know, now we're, we're at like 37 years uh, past the NAPS graduation, and you're still in touch with so many people from, from our class, um, while most of our instructors, most of our leaders have been out of touch for many, many years. So why do you keep in touch a- after so many years? Uh, that, that's history for us now, but it doesn't seem like it when I'm around you.
1: Well, after I beat you for thirty days and uh, had fun with you for the rest of the uh, rest of the year at the uh, prep school, I I just uh, I gained a lot of respect for you, and uh, I, I you know again I'll go back to the other thing too. You're all my sons. You're all my you know my brothers and, and sisters, and you know I uh, felt that I felt the need to stay in touch and, uh, you know, and see how you're progressing through life and see how you're progressing through, you know, through the Marine Corps, the Navy, or whatever, you know, you did. Some of you went to the Air Force and some went to the, uh, for the Army too. So I do, I do remember them and haven't forgotten them neither. They're, they're all the same. It's respect that I gained uh, from you and it's a respect that I'm giving back to you. So your graduation to me was just like, when I was a drill instructor and all my Marines graduated and, and, uh, you know, to see what I produced there, I wanted to see what I produced at the Naval Academy, the officers that I, that I, uh, produced. And it was, and it was heartwarming woman to see all years, uh, you know, walk that stage and, you know, get their commission, get your slip and, and get out of there. It, it's, uh, and if somebody don't do that, I, you know, I, I I, maybe, maybe to afford to themselves, I don't know. Uh, but I'm, uh, I'm proud of what I do and what I did, and I want to see all of you graduate. And I know a lot. I know all of you went to see me there too, because I did uh, get a couple uh, invitations to come. You know, come on up and you know, yeah. So on and so forth, and, uh, and, and that would have. And it, there's no way I would have not been in there. That's for sure. Yeah. Cook or crook or steal—I already got indoors. Well, I was
0: so happy to see you there that day. Yep. It, it made my day. Uh, I thank you for being there. Um, let me ask you a couple of philosophical questions. Um, so, what what's your philosophy on leadership? If I asked oh. you, leadership philosophy.
1: Uh, I don't know. It's 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 you know. To me, it's a hard question Uh, because I I just look at myself. I expect everybody to be a good leader. Uh, My philosophy is is do to them what you want to do to me, you know, just like our leadership traits in the Marine Corps. Uh, You're, uh, I wanted to teach you and I wanted to produce myself being a good leader to have you be the same way as me, and to take care of your troops, to take care of you know everybody that, that you associate with, and if if you don't do that, there's you know you, you lose your your um, core leadership values. You know, so you have to have the values and ethos in order to produce a good philosophy of leadership. And if you're really that good, then you know your units and. Everything else is going to be just as well, just as good. And I would like to be at that position to teach people, you know, leadership. Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, you are a perfect person to do it. Again, I, ju- I just feel we're so lucky to have you there. Um, tell me what you feel the most important attributes are to be a good military officer.
1: Oh, well, wow. Yeah. Integrity. Loyalty. Um, humility goes along with that wisdom. Uh, I'm not going to go with leadership traits and principles. We all know JJD type buckle. We all know what that's all about, yep. but an officer an officer has to be, he has to be there, he has to be there for that Marine in every way, shape or form. That Marine gets in trouble. He needs to be there for that Marine and help him out of that trouble. I'm not saying dismiss him on anything. I'm saying do what you have to do with him. But, you know, your leadership ability uh, as as an officer, when I'm looking up to you, I need to know that your integrity is online with everybody else's. You're respecting your CO and everybody within your chain of command. You're making a difference. And that's all, you know, here we go back to JJ did Tybuckle, But now we're talking about something else, which you got to do. So, and these are the things that I look up for there. Mon- uh, uh, loyalty. But mostly integrity, and I'd say that's a key for any Marine Corps officer, any staff and ceo in the Marine Corps too, incidentally, and uh, that's what I that's what I feel. About. Okay,
0: all right, excellent. Let me let me ask you about something kind of funny that um, I, I heard the other day. So I'm still in touch with our good friend Craig Perry, uh, mm-hmm. who I know you remember very well, and Craig was telling me a yes, really sir. funny story. Craig told me a real funny story from back when he was stationed in in Hawaii. He was uh working there as a supply officer, and he told me about a time that he was he was working, and you came into his office and uh, you came to see him tell Tell me about that. I want to see how you remember this compared to how Craig tells the story to me.
1: I was trying to get targetry in Hawaii. Uh, sometime I was sent on liaison work from 1st uh, Battalion, 4th Marines over at Camp Pendleton. Once I got to Hawaii, I learned the lesson before I got there. So I was going to Dermo to get things to make a uh, target up on a big island. So I went to Hickam Air Base and and also Barber's Point, and I found out what Dermo at Hickam can get everything. All you have to do is go to Pearl Harbor. So I went to Pearl Harbor and I was told to go see a Lieutenant Commander Perry. And I said to myself, nah, it can't be. He's not, it can't be. He's not, he's not over here. He's probably on East Coast. He's an East Coast Marine. So I went up to the, to the building, you know, and I go in the office and I tell a young lady there, I said, I'd like to see uh, Lieutenant Commander uh, Perry. And I'd like to get this and that and the other. And she says, oh yeah, well, come on to me. And I went in office and lo and behold, there he is, all big man sitting behind a damn desk, <laughs> you know, and I'm I'm trying to be a little professional with the lady and this big lug jumps up, Gunner, what the hell are you doing? And some other choice words and, you know, I'm trying to hold my, uh, you know, my, my demeanor up and, you know, with the young lady there and so she finally, I guess she got an earful and she left. But anyway, he comes from behind the desk, jumps up from behind the desk, comes over, gives me a big bear hug. Well, I, that was OK, but my damn toes were on the ground <laughs> and my heels were up in the air. You know, I just couldn't stand up to him. And I want to tell him to let me go because I felt like I was, you, you know, I wasn't humiliated. It was just like, come on, you know, you're a damn officer. You're not supposed to be hugging me. But it's the next thing he's going to do, kiss me. Oh, uh, well, no, hey, he didn't
0: don't put it past craig he'll give you a nice I, big kiss too
1: i know, too. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like yeah might be biting over my ear or something
0: yeah <laughs> uh, that's that's pretty much exactly how i heard it from craig so i i think that's fantastic i mean but but that's the kind of emotional response you elicit from so many people people have so much respect for you and, and he was just uh so happy to see you and, and felt the same way. I think so many of us would feel to see you anywhere. And uh, that's the way I felt, uh, when you came down to see us at our house, I didn't give you a big hug because you were with your wife that day. I didn't want to make her jealous.
1: (laughs) Well, I also had a hole in my head. If you remember, right.
0: You did. Yeah. You had, you had fallen, but you completed the run though, too. I did. <laughs> uh, Gate River Run 2012, that was. Yeah. Um, hey, so getting back to something a little more serious again, tell me about, you know, we, we all all obviously uh, had you, and, and you were so important to us over the years, uh, and, and we always looked up to you and respected you. Um, who are the leaders that you looked up to over the years the people that you respected, the people that made a real impact on you.
1: Yeah, I was talking about that the other day, uh, you know, leadership, we all talk about the uh, uh, Chester Nimitz, um, Chesty puller Butler and all the rest of them. Well, you know, I get, I get, uh, what I'd like to do is talk about people like Mrs. Stratton. She's my hero. Uh, I learned a lot of leadership by some people like that. What I'm getting to is is your father being in a, a POW for five, six years or whatever it was. She was the one that was taking care of the home front. She believed that he was still alive, and she wasn't convinced that he was dead. She inspired a lot of ladies to to uh, believe in you know themselves instead of not believing into. What they may hear from somebody else now, in order to do that, inspire these ladies, she had three children that she was raising, and while raising three children, uh, doing everything in the household, and not getting a chance to to think about her husband or think about her husband and telling the other ladies, inspiring the other ladies to you know carry the flame, because you know everything's okay until somebody you know said something different. And uh, I, I I thought that uh, we don't give ladies like your mother uh, the the due award and, and respect that they should have. I also look at the same thing with my wife Dorothy. You know, of, of fifty three years coming back in the Marine Corps, taking care of taking care of three children, raising three children while I'm going for a year on a deployment for a year because at then we used to go for a year, not six months and she was doing the same thing raising three children and helping people around the neighborhood she also didn't have a driver's license couldn't drive so she had to walk over to the commissary and get bag by bag each time to come home and take care of the kids while the kids were in school tagging along was my youngest son ed you know and she did the same thing so the the women like that they inspire other women and they're the heroes the true heroes that you don't hear about. Now they're not in combat. We have a lot of ladies that are in combat and they are true heroes. Uh, I was just at a, at a, a two star generals retirement just last week. And he tells that, you know, when he was uh, a colonel, he had to send a truckload of women out to frisk the women, uh, in, in Iraq. And, uh, on the way out, the truck got blew up and seven or eight of the young ladies got killed. Mm-hmm. They're heroes, just as well as anybody else. The women in the home front who are, you know, my wife and, and, and your mother was, you know, is the, wing, or the wind under our sails. They keep us afloat. They're also the ones that burn that midnight oil and to let your husbands know they're there. They're also the ones that are getting time out and then crying. Nobody gives them the respect that they deserve. You can always say at retirement, you did a good job here as a piece of paper. You're a good lady. No, it, it should go further than that, and uh, they're my heroes, and they they taught me a lot. My wife taught me a lot. She even did my MCI courses for me and, and stuff like that. so you know oh, I, that's I, fantastic. You know, I, I have a degree on a wall behind me that says, "Alexander D. that's my wife's middle initial. That's her diploma, not mine. She worked for it. She worked. She worked to beat me in shape, and and uh, you know I I was successful over the years, and I'm sure that uh, the captain will say he's successful because of his wife, and you're successful because of your mother.
0: Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And my dad gives the same kind of credit um, that you were just talking about yeah. uh, to my mom and to all the wives. It's so important. I think it's really neat that you recognize that, and that I'm going to make sure I tell my mom that I'm going to pass that story on to her um, you know so it's so important and we were talking about this earlier that getting started out in the military it, it, it having a good mentor is so important to your success did you have somebody you know we had you we had our we had our gunny ski did you have a gunny ski when, when you were new to the Marine Corps somebody that molded your leadership style? and that you remembered throughout your whole career?
1: Yes, I did. Gunny uh William A. Rogers, was a, uh, uh, a Mofford Point Marine, a black Marine, uh, at Mofford Point. And uh, uh, when I got over to Hawaii, and I get the motor transport over to Hawaii, uh, we sat down, there's a couple of times I got in trouble, and he sat me down and he said, hey, knucklehead, uh, and you know, banged on my head and said, Hey, knucklehead, you got to learn how to, uh, how to, uh, hold your temper and and a couple other things that, uh, that, that bothered me in my younger, younger days. Well, you know, he said he put a foot in my butt literally. And, uh, you know, it's a big guy, six foot three, six foot four, great guy. Um, uh, uh he, he just showed me the leadership that I needed that I didn't have before. And he explained to me a lot about leadership and, uh, like I said, pulled me off to the side a couple times and talked to me. I really respected him because he, he, he went out of way to help me to ensure that I understood certain things and that I can, you know, I can be a good Marine and, and everything else. He gave me all the accolades, uh, but you know, it was a leadership ability, how he produced it to me that uh, suck with me over the years. You know uh, he made master sergeant. I got out of the Marine Corps uh, the next time I see him, he was a master gunnery sergeant at uh, 10th Marines. He was the master, uh, master gunnery sergeant, motor transport chief. They run everything on the motor transport. And he flipped me a nickel. That's not the first time he flipped me a nickel. He did flip me a nickel in 1966. And he and, and I asked him what the nickel for. He said, same thing in 1966. Every time I see you. I'm going to give you a nickel because your ears are bigger than mine. And every <laughs> time he see me, he flipped me a nickel you know, because my ears was bigger than his. But uh, he was his his wife was a wonderful woman. Uh, one time I, w- I I went over for dinner, and uh, you know I found out at this time you know when he was a gunny that she had she had died. And that just that broke my heart because she was a wonderful woman. Uh, but he was he was somebody i look up to not to dismiss my drill instructors because they were great they were great corporal blue and corporal Pitts, but uh, uh master gunny sergeant w.a rogers w-a-r war and he said you don't want to go to war with me so I, <laughs> that's I great always took that up
0: well i'm glad you had somebody like that too um so this podcast is going to be going out to a lot of people and I am going to post the link to the podcast on the NAPS 83 uh, Facebook page. So I'm hoping that all of my classmates from NAPS uh, in 1983 are going to get an opportunity to listen to this. And so this is your chance right now to say anything you want mm-hmm. to all the Napsters from 1983. Do you, do you have a message for them?
1: Yeah, you were a leadership challenge. <laughs> People like Sullivan. People like uh, Shirk. Uh, let me see. Quite a few more was leadership problems. Fitzpatrick was the only one that won a baseball team. I didn't think had he needed a leadership challenge. He wasn't a leadership challenge at all. He was. He was pretty cool. I, I liked his demeanor, and I liked uh, you know uh, even even when he was a Marine captain out in, in the Pendleton when I was out of Pendleton, he always had the same attitude. Even. Even at the uh, at the reunion, he had the same attitude, big smile on his face and, uh, and you know nice nice guy that's uh, that's fantastic. Uh, yeah. I thought
0: you were going to make us I thought you were going to give us some push-ups or something
1: Oh yeah, you know every one of you's got to get down and give me twenty. Well, wait a minute, some of you is too damn old you can't do twenty, so I'll, I'll accept ten you know and I, I, I told a story I think I told a story quite a few times about Hernandez. I don't know if he was in his class or not, but anyway, he lost his uh he lost his checkbook and I had somebody come up to me and say, uh, hey, first I was first sergeant. They say, Hey, first sergeant, uh, found this uh checkbook over there and I said, I, I said, All right. He said, Yeah, it says uh, you know, it's a Marine Lieutenant. I said, All right. I say, give it to me. I, I think I know who it is. And it was it was Hernandez. So anyway, Hernandez is walking down and he said, Oh my God, I'm in trouble. And he looked at me, he says, Well well, um, I, I've got to see you. Somebody said, you got my checkbook. I said, yeah, I got your checkbook. And here it is right here. He says, I said, you owe me push-ups. You know that, right, sir? He said, yeah, well, I do. He said, I'm going to ask a dangerous question. How many do I owe you? I said, social security number, of course. You can dismiss <laughs> a zero, but you got the rest of them, so you got to do it. Every time I see you, you got to get down on your face, and you got to do, you know, at least 20 push-ups. A couple of weeks later, I'm driving down the road, Western Boulevard here in Jacksonville, and I come up to a light, and all of a sudden, somebody drops down there and starting to do push-ups. My wife says, look at this guy. He's doing push-ups. And I looked up. I said, yeah, I said, that's uh, Lieutenant Hernandez. That her, huh? Yeah, Hernandez. He said, she said, what is he doing push-ups for? I said, that's what he owes me. I said, he owes Social Security. She said, you can't do that. I said, no, I'm not doing it. He's doing it. <laughs> and that's it. So he had to do push-ups. But all the rest of you can do it, too. The ones that I missed, if you think I missed you and you did something wrong, get down and do push-ups because you just figured it out. That's your integrity, so it's an integrity check.
0: Well, don't go soft on us now. You never went soft on us back at naps. No, I th- you're I'm... getting kind of soft. Ten push-ups, really? I, I mm-hmm. think all of us can do that still.
1: Get... There's a couple of years, can. <laughs> Kneehold, where you at? Where you at, Behold?
0: Oh, <laughs> man, that's funny.
1: J.D. Cook. <laughs> Who else i gotta say i can pick it jd cook's got a beer in one hand and pretzels in the other hand he can't do push-ups oh the navy way
0: we got to get that <laughs> message to jd quick um <laughs> hey i got one more question for you that so one last question um tell me why the naps class in 1983 was the best class ever
1: you guys were great you, you you put up for me with me for thirty days. Uh, I, I I seen in your face that that you wanted to be something. You was there for the part of something. Uh, I think that class did the most in uh, uh, anything that they can do for any anything. The classmates uh, uh, they didn't get in trouble, or they some of them got in trouble that you know I, I couldn't handle, or or maybe maybe Captain Captain uh, the camp could handle um we had people sneak people in there in night hall they eat chow on a saturday morning like you know i didn't know but uh you know i'll tell you i did know but you know <laughs> I, there there's things that you did you know and and uh you guys were great all around you had a good attitude and that and that goes a long way with me uh and you you, you never you never fell on your sword when you did. You did exactly what I told you to do, get up, you know, and uh, move on from there. Uh, and, uh, you know, if 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 you had a problem and you didn't understand it, I told you that to, you don't have to go to me. Go to one of the fleet sailors or fleet marines. They're the, they're the experts there because they're the ones that are in, in your category. So with the kids coming out of high school and uh, looking for uh, – looking for something to do and looking for the, to, to be a mariner or, or be a sailor. And, uh, they, I, you know, I just overall thought you were all pretty good. And, and I respect you after the 30 days in the year that you t- took, you know, uh, there, and, and there was a lot of funny things that I did. And, uh, you gotta, you gotta break that, you know, that school environment that you're always going to do, you know, schoolwork. You gotta, you know, PT was fun for me. Uh, the, 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 you know, running around. I was the captain of the camp to run you all up. Uh, you know, through Newport and everything else. But you know, do you
0: remember when Captain DeCamp to... ran us up on top of the bridge during a snowstorm yes, and the cops <laughs> call, yes, called called yes, the did. office, <laughs> the duty office? Yeah, uh, I was
1: going to go with him that day. I should have went with him that day. That was good but stuff. I, ch- I chickened out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that that was good stuff. Well, I'll tell you what. I want to answer. I'm going to a- answer my own question here about why the NAPS class in 1983 was the best ever. I'll give you my answer. And the answer is you. Um, yes, sir. You, you made uh, our lives tough, uh, but you taught us a lot of great lessons. And I want you to know, I appreciate you uh, so much. And I'm very grateful to you. I love you, man. Semper Fi.
1: Right. Semper Fi, I love you. I love all my NAPSers. I gotta say, one last thing, though, Monica Wright. I love the hell out of you. I didn't mean to make you that scared in the builders, but she was almost passing out. <laughs> <laughs> I hope she gets this. I want her to write me back, Monica and Libby, and uh, Libby Ball and uh, Joyce Robinson Sanders too. So all three of you, Clarissa Car- Mann, and uh, I. I forget the other young lady's name. I made a meet. I made a meet. Uh, Grapefruit in they hall, or whatever the restaurant was over there. That's what the Navy calls it now, restaurant? <laughs> Do they call it that now? Yeah, they're getting soft like the Air Force.
0: Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Yankee Air Pirate Podcast. We've got more great tales of Southeast Asia coming out soon. If you enjoy our podcast series, please recommend the Yankee Air Pirate to a friend and share the link on your social media pages. It's an easy and free way to help us spread these stories. Don't forget, anyone can contact us with questions or feedback by emailing us at theyankeiairpirate at gmail.com. We appreciate all our listeners. Semper Fi.